good to be here, isn't it? No. We read in uh, Acts chapter 7, it says of Jesus, uh, sorry, John chapter 7, on the last great day of the feast, Jesus got up and he, he said something. Well, this is the last great day of the fast. Uh, for those in your life, I uh, appreciate those who have took time uh, from 9 to 29 to be fasting and spending time praying with God. That's what a fasting is about. Just to begin the year, give God his rightful place and to just set aside time just to connect with God. And I believe that prayer makes a difference. And even though that finishes today, let me encourage you to continue to keep praying and seeking God. And even if you're in a practice of just giving up, something might not be all every day, but at least one day a week, just give up and just connect with the living God and believe God to do great things. Amen. Thank you. During the week ahead, we're going to be looking at our live groups and the work of the Holy Spirit, particularly in the Old Testament. And today I want to speak a little bit, I share a little bit from an incident of Saul in the Old Testament. But look at the lessons that we can learn today. For us today, the Bible is still pertinent, still powerful, still a living word, and still relevant for us today, 2023. Particularly I want to look at areas where we can be Pentecostal, people of the Spirit, led, guided, empowered by the Spirit. I'm going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 10 in a moment, but the background is that Saul's out looking for some of his father's lost donkeys. And eventually, paraphrase, Saul gets a bit fed up and, get, uh, and says, I'm giving up on this. And he says in chapter 9, the previous chapter, to his servant with him, let's go home. By now my father will be more worried about the, us than he is about the donkeys. That was maybe wishful thinking in his part, but there we go. However, his servant turns around and says, you know, uh, before we go, there's a man of God here. Let's go and try him. If you put it to our modern day equivalent, we've got issues, we've got problems, we've tried everything, and then eventually say, well, we've tried everything, it doesn't work, let's pray about it. Okay, that, that's, can you ever been there? I'm not asking for a show of hands. Okay, but it was a good thing, the servant says. Two introductory lessons we can learn from that story before I get to my main points. Saul, listen to seven. Never be too proud or prejudiced to listen to people who you think are not where you are. Maybe younger, more inexperienced, maybe not the gift and the anointing you've got, maybe not the position you've got, but never be too proud not to listen to them because it was a servant who directed Saul and he was open enough to say, okay, we'll do what you've said, I'll go with what you're saying. But sometimes we think, who are you to say to me, but never be too proud or too conceited or too arrogant to think you can't listen to others who you feel are not in the same place as you. And then secondly, God had already told Samuel that Saul was going to come and Samuel the prophet was to anoint him as the first king of Israel. You know, it's amazing. Uh, the lost donkeys made him find destiny. He was going about doing stuff that he probably didn't want to do, but because he kept doing it, it connected him with his destiny. Sometimes we get distracted and we think, this is not what I want to do, but you need to hang in there and keep doing it because that distraction can be your attraction to your destiny and purpose in God. They might be the best two points I preach today, but anyway... We're going to read now what happened when he connected with Samuel from 1 Samuel chapter 10. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. When you leave me today, you will see two men beside Rachel's tomb at Zelzah, 
on the border of Benjamin, they will tell you that the donkeys have been found and that your father has stopped worrying about them and is now worried about you. Notice the father only stopped worrying about them once they were found, but that's another story. He's asking, have you seen my son? When you get to the Oak of Tabor, you will see three men coming toward you who are on their way to worship God at Bethel. One will be bringing three young goats, another will have three loaves of bread, and the third will be carrying a wineskin full of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves, two of the loaves which you are to accept. When you arrive at Gibeah of God, where the garrison of the Philistines is located, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the place of worship. They will be playing a harp, a tambourine, a flute, and a lyre. You can only imagine what that sounded like. And they will be prophesying. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet, no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, Is even Saul a prophet? When Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Where have you been? Saul's uncle asked him and his servant. We were looking for the donkeys, Saul replied, but we couldn't find them. So we went to Samuel to ask him where they were. And what did he say, his uncle asked. He told us that the donkeys had already been found, Saul replied. But Saul didn't tell his uncle what Samuel said about the kingdom. You maybe know this story if you've read your Bible. Saul connects with Samuel. and paraphrase, Samuel comes and says, Saul, you're appointed king over Israel. You're appointed. You're the first king. You're appointed. God's chosen you. You're appointed the ruler over Israel. You're the man. Saul, you're the man. You've got an appointing, but you need an anointing for the appointing. It's not about the appointing, just you need the anointing for the appointing. You need something to happen. It says, I'm taking this flask of oil, and it's been poured over your head, and it's a confirmation of your appointment, but it's also symbolic of the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit, which is going to come upon you to equip you for your appointing. What do we mean by anointing? Somebody say it's to bestow a benefit on someone. Uh, it's someone, commentators will say, it's the anointing. It activates the power of God in our life, giving you the ability to do what you can't do naturally. The anointing is the added on, it's a bit that God adds to you that gives you something to do that you can't do on your own. The heaven sent power to do good in ways beyond our natural abilities is one of the aspects of the anointing. Just like Jesus, we read in Acts 10, 30, he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing all of oppressed of the devil. He was anointed to do good and to heal all who are oppressed of the devil. And so, long story short, you're going to connect with these worshipping prophets. And at that time, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come powerfully upon you. You're going to prophesy with them. You'll be changed into a different person. 
Let me be clear about this. It's not the anointing that brings salvation to us. That's something different. This is not a picture of salvation. But what you find here, Saul was talking to Samuel. Samuel says, Saul, you're appointed for this purpose, and there's going to be an anointing comes upon you to equip you for that purpose. But then when Saul left Samuel that day, we read, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. This is like a picture of salvation and empowering. In the Old Testament, what happened in the New Testament? First of all, there's a promise to you, Saul, that you're going to be anointed and empowered to do the job God's called you to do. But then before that happened, God gave him another heart. That's a picture of the salvation aspect. Before that anointing came on, Samuel says, the anointing's coming, but God said, but you know what? You need a change of heart. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, what happens is our heart changes. The Spirit comes and he changes us from the inside out. And this is a picture of Sam, Saul, in a sense, in the Old Testament, under a different dispensation. As he was turning away from Samuel, God dealt with a heart issue. God, and that's a picture of salvation. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether you're watching online or you're in here today, that's the greatest decision you you can make. It's the greatest change that can come into you when the Spirit of God comes to live inside you and starts to change you to become more like Jesus. Where your sins are forgiven and your name's written in heaven and your eternal destiny is secure in heaven. And this is a picture of salvation. But then Saul needed more than that. For the equipping of the empowerment that he needed, something else had to happen. But notice, it's not just your heart that needs change and needs something else as empowering comes upon you. And I want to tell you, when's it going to happen? Gee, you're going to mix with prophets, you're going to mix with worshippers, and God's going to come powerful upon you. I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in God, if you want to know more of God, if you want to be more filled with God, if you want everything that God's got for you, the best thing you to do is get alongside those who are worshippers, those who love Jesus, those who you put yourself in atmospheres, come to church, get in atmospheres of those who build up Jesus, who lift up Jesus, who proclaim Jesus, who speak the life of Jesus, who speak the word of Jesus. God's not meaning us to be isolated, but the best thing you to do if you want to grow in God and grow in the things of God and grow in the things of the Spirit, get into an atmosphere and alongside people who are worshipping Jesus and who connect with God and speak the word of God. That's what Samuel told Saul. In four aspects, which will be very brief, I can assure you, Saul was anointed for a purpose, but there was four aspects. First, there was a prophetic aspect to this. Being Pentecostal means we're prophetic. Let me just clarify this. Prophetic has two parts to it. There's a foretelling of what's going to happen. That is not for everyone, in a sense. The gift of a prophet does that. People can say it and give them God come an unction, but primarily the gift of a prophet will foretell. But there's also a foretelling which is available for everybody. And foretelling is just proclaiming the Word of God. It's speaking life. It's speaking faith. It's speaking what God says. It's speaking forth the things that are not as if they are to come into being. It's speaking the life of God and prophetically speaking the Word of God. To be Pentecostal means we have to be prophetic. It means we have to speak life. We speak what God says. We speak the Word of God. It's not necessarily saying this is going to happen, but it's speaking faith and speaking life and speaking the Word of God. That's what being prophetic is. We put ourselves in an atmosphere that helps and get alongside others and we speak forth the word of God. We speak life, power, faith. We speak God's word. But you know, Proverbs 8, 12, 18, 12 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. But being prophetic and Pentecostal means we speak life. We speak faith. 
life. It's proclamation of prophetic life. Now, please hear me. I have been around for a while, and I've heard this going to two far extremes. I've heard people on the charismatic Pentecostal banner when they're ill, saying, I'm not ill. I've not, whatever, I've not got cancer. I've not got a heart condition. I've not got it. I've not got it. Yes, you have. But being Pentecostal says you don't stop there. Don't say it when you've, don't, that's a lie when you have got it. And it's okay to say I'm speaking faith. No, that's not speaking faith. That's just denying what you have. But being Pentecostal says, you know what? I've got cancer, but Jesus is my healer. I've got a heart condition, but by his stripes I'm healed. I've got financial struggles just now. You don't say I'm rich and I'm a millionaire. No, you're not. But you know what? But God's going to provide all my need. I'm believing God's going to pour out the windows of heaven. No, being prophetic and being Pentecostal is not denying what you've got. It's acknowledging it, but it's not stopping. It's not putting a full stop where you've got. It's just a comma. You're saying, this is where I am. But you know what? Being Pentecostal, being prophetic, but God's my healer. And I'm believing he's going to heal me. And I'm living in belief of the healing. I'm believing in the provision of God. I'm believing God's going to make. I believe in restoration. I'm believing reconciliation. That's what speaking prophetically is. It's not denying where you're at. That is just not glorifying to God. Let me just say that. Don't go to that extreme. Acknowledge it, but speak life over it. Speak prophetically over it. It's speaking the life of God. It's reality plus. It's reality plus faith. It's not just sticking to reality. It's reality plus being Pentecost is reality plus. Yes, this is the reality. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. Our nation's not in a good way, but if you're the premier Wednesday night, but we speak faith that God's going to move again in our nation. It's got darkness covering the earth, but we speak there's life and there's light coming to our nation. We speak prophetically. There's an overflow of life when we're speaking prophetically. I reference Jesus in chapter 7. And the climax of the festival or the church conference, if you want, it says, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. I, what is in you is going to come out of you. I mean, you're full of God. The God bit is going to come out of you. There's going to be a proclamation. There's going to be evidence of the Spirit of God without you, within you. There'll be a proclamation that others will hear it. And will not just hear it, but they'll see it. Being Pentecostal, so there's a prophetic element, there's a powerful element, there's a powerful element into it. It's not just prophetic, but it's powerful. You'll be a different man. An authority and a power is going to come upon you to change it and cause something of the power of God to come on you that wasn't there before. And you know, when we talk about that river flowing out of us, I understand that we sometimes use it and restrict it to that uh, overflow of Acts 2 when the, power, the Spirit was sent. And we read in Acts 2, 4, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And sometimes we fear that is the overflow of the mouth. That is the overflow when you come, the Spirit fills you, and there's an overflow of tongues that comes out of you. Hear me correctly. I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe it's for everyone. I really do. I believe there's a part of the river of life that's flowing out of you. But I believe that river of life that flows out of us is more than speaking tongues. I believe there's a power aspect to it. 
I believe when Peter and John saw a lame arm and they're going to a prayer meeting and Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Know what's happening? There was a river of life coming out of Peter which brought healing to that place. I believe when Philip got alongside this Ethiopian in a chariot and he was talking the scripture and Philip just started speaking Jesus and the guy says, I need to get baptized. I need to connect with this living God because Peter, Philip wasn't just speaking words. There was a river of life flowing out of Peter, out of Philip which caused that man to know more about Jesus. In Acts 2, when Peter got up and spoke and 3,000 people responded to the gospel, do you know why? Because there was a river of life flowing out of Peter's words, which caused people, I want some of what you have got. In Acts 14, when Paul saw a man lame and he shouted, get up and walk, there was a river of life come out of Paul and it caused healing to take place. You know, when Paul and Silas were in prison and they were in chains and everybody was mourning and grumbling, complaining, they said, we're not like that because there's a river of life within us and we're going to praise and we're going to pray and all the prison foundations were rocked, their chains fell off. Know why? Because there was a river of life which is powerful and it broke chains in people's bodies and people's lives. In Jesus' name, rivers of living water. In Acts 19, when Paul got to Ephesus and he laid hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in tongues. Know why? Because there was a river of life come out of Paul and caused others to receive that drink from the river of life. In Acts 20, God gave power to Paul to perform unusual miracles. Don't ask me what unusual miracles are, but there you go. It says, but handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. They were half, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I.e., Paul just touched hankies and then those hankies were placed in people and people were healed. That's incredible. But you know why? Because when Paul touched them, there was a river of life flowed out of Paul onto that hanky, and that river was still flowing when it touched other people. There's a power aspect. When Paul was in a shipwreck, and everybody said, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. Permission to panic, Mr. Mannering. No, the one. Permission to panic. Permission to panic. And Paul said, no, take courage. God spoke to me, and it's going to be okay. And nobody, do you know why? When they were all panicking, there was a river of life come out of Paul, and it spoke life and health and provision and victory over them. You know, there's a time when ship, in that shipwright experience in Acts 28, Paul, got a, a snake went onto Paul's arm. You know what it did? He shook it off. Who was it? Was it Taylor Swift wrote a song about it? No. Okay. He shook it off. Do you know why? Because the river of life in him was greater than the venom of poison, deadly poison in the snake. It says, a snake, oh, you're just a snake, but there's a river of life in me. And I'm going to shake it off because there's a power within me. There's a power within me greater than anything that you've got to throw against me. Being Pentecostal, there's a prophetic aspect. There's a powerful aspect. There's also a practical aspect. Being Pentecostal is practical. So... The Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you powerfully. You're going to be changed into a different person. It's going to be awesome. So I did that bit. But see when you see all this supernatural phenomena stuff happening, Paul, do what needs to be done. Do what must be done. Other version says, do whatever your hand finds to do. Do as the occasion demands. Do whatever your circumstances require. Do whatever you think is right. Do what you must God's with you, God will help you. I.e., there's a doing. There's a doing. See when the Spirit comes upon you, so do it. Whatever needs to be done. You know, 
We've all met those who are so full of the Spirit and so Pentecostal that they're too heavenly-minded to be any practical use. Okay? That's the danger sometimes with Pentecostal. Oh, I need to be led by the Spirit to do that. Okay? Oh, I need to hear that real word from God before I move and do when it's done. I don't, I don't feel the Spirit tell me to do that. So, the Spirit's on you. See what, you need, see what needs doing. Just do it. Just do it. Never mind this fasting for 40 days. I know we've been fasting. Never mind this fasting and praying, should I go and speak to my neighbor? Should I do this? Should I pay for that person? So, there's anointing on you. There's a power come on you. And see whatever you see needs doing. Just get on and do it. Because God's with you and there's a power within you to get on and do what needs done. Listen, as Pentecostals, we see things that are needed. We see needs. Let's not just go about, oh, I need to pray and fast for 40 days. Let's see a need. Let's do it because God called us to be doing. Jesus, as I said earlier, he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Now, there's some things like major things that call on your life and the stuff like that. You need to spend some time praying. But you know, sometimes we use it as an excuse. Oh, that's not my gifting. That's not my anointing. I need to be led by the Spirit. I need to hear an audible voice of God. I'm Pentecostal. We need the Spirit to move in sensational ways. There's times that happen. But you know what? And from the times that doesn't happen, just go on and do what you've seen needs done in your life and your ministry. Okay, that upsets some of you. And my last point, point four, there's a praise aspect. There's a praise aspect. Being Pentecostal, we learn from Saul, and the Old Testament just pictures of what we should be like in the New one. Yes, it means we're prophetic, we speak loud. It means there's a power force, there's a power aspect, there's a practical aspect, but there's a praise aspect. They don't sack me this bit, but see, if I've been in Saul's position, I, I have, may have reacted differently. This is Saul's kind of week. Donkeys are found. Oof, that's a relief. I'm not getting grounded by my dad. I've been appointed as king, the first king of Israel. I've been anointed by God via the Samuel, the man, the prophet, the one who speaks at all the big church conferences all over the place. The one every church wants to come and speak to them. I've been anointed by him. I can prophesy. My heart's changed. I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Wow, it's not a bad week. That's not a bad week, is it? If that happened to me, I'd have been thinking, I could go and write a book here. Okay? Uh, how do you get in touch with God TV? I, I think I could. I think, I'd, I think they all want me to come and speak about the week I've had. But you know what it says about Saul? When he'd finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Come on. See, the ultimate of being Pentecostal is that we're worshippers of Jesus. Hallelujah. The ultimate experience is that we fall more in love with Jesus. And we want to praise Jesus more than ever. Because the Holy Spirit has come to glorify Jesus. So, in summary, we look at his life and became Pentecostal when the Spirit of God came upon him. He gave him a prophetic aspect to his life. Gave him a powerful aspect to his life. He gave him help in a practical aspect of his life. It made him more of a praiser and worshipper, a praising aspect to his life. You know the problem 
we can look at people in the scripture and think, well, they're, they're the superheroes. They're amazing. Ugh, I could never be like these kind of people. That, that was great for them, but they're, they're, they're superstars. I mean, Saul's the king. I mean, it, God's done all that, but he, he's special. But just look around at the chatter around when this happened. Just look what the people in Saul's world were saying. What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Can anyone become a prophet? I, if it can happen to Saul, it can happen to me. If it can happen to Saul, it can happen to a wee boy from Cumnock. If Saul can receive that anointing and that empowering from God, Saul, of all the people in Israel, Saul is basically what they're saying. If it happens to him, there's hope for us all. There was hope for me. There's hope for you. Because God's not respecting our persons. God's spirit has come to empower us all. To give us a prophetic edge. To give us a powerful edge. To give us help in a practical edge. And to help us become praisers in a greater way. Can we stand for a moment or two? No matter how insignificant you feel, there's a power you can receive that can change you into a different person. For those who have that power of the Spirit in their lives, we need to start speaking prophetically more and more the word and the life of God and the power of God over people. Some of us, we just need to go on and do some practical stuff that's in our world under the anointing and power of the Spirit. There's others we just need to fall more and more in love with Jesus and become praisers again and again and praise him again. And the band again and lead us. But maybe you're here, maybe you just want, maybe you want us to pray for you just for God just to impart something fresh in you into you. There's a band leading a song, just come out to the front. Where you are, you can, you can praise and worship God. You can be where you are, you can just worship. But if you just feel, I, I just want some impartation today. Why don't you just come out and believe in there's a river of life flowing in the house today to minister into your situation and where you're at and let that river of life come and, and just flow into you to disperse anything that's not right, anything that needs that river to come and empower. As the band leaders in worship, let's have a heart of worship. So for all the great stuff that was on, he went to the place of worship. Because he acknowledged it's about praising and worshiping Jesus. So let's focus on Jesus and worship him. But if you want us to pray with you this morning, please come out and we'll do that. You don't need to, but if you do, we're here and available just to minister and believe for God to come and impart something to you.